does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Are you in? All right, let's grow. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that again is truth. God bless you. Have a seat. I want to know the truth because the truth will set me free, and it will too. Uh, it will. The truth will eliminate labels that are on your life. Uh, as you know, we're, we're ordinary people, but we face extraordinary challenges. And one of the biggest challenges we face are labels that are on our lives that have been put there. And and one thing that I know this to be truth is that, uh, that labels do have extraordinary power over us because that becomes the identity that we have. And sometimes it comes from parents or childhood friends or, or annoying bullies or a pastor, or a pastor, or a priest, or a boss, or a sibling, a coach, or a teacher, yourself, you put a label on yourself, and it, and it holds you back, it actually keeps you limited, and it's time we tear off some of those limiting labels, and we need to replace them with limitless labels, so that's what this is about, and today my message is entitled Limitless Freedom. About 15 years ago, when I was pastoring a church in the Kansas City area, uh, a family in my church called me up and said they wanted to meet with me. They really needed to. And so Jody and her, uh, Jody, a single mom, and her two sons, Christopher and Boston, they came to meet with me. And, and uh, she wanted me to know a little bit about her past. Jody explained to me that she was divorced and that her former husband was about to move back into town. Now, her ex-husband, whose name is Jay, <clears throat> he had spent uh, two years incarcerated, followed by one year at a halfway house, and during that time, he had embraced a new perspective on life. And you see, the divorce that they had experienced was the result of Jay's addiction to drugs and the violence which ensued when he was high and, uh, and even a way to get himself to quit being violent. He leaned into drugs. So she told me that... <clears throat> Jay had been communicating with her again and, and that Jay would probably want to meet with me very soon also. So eventually I did get to meet Jay and I met with him and he honestly, he was a fantastic, humble, hardworking man. I, I liked him. I just immediately, I liked him. And so did his ex-wife, Jody. In fact, a couple of years after he moved back into town, I was performing their second marriage ceremony. This former addict had turned his life around. He had earned my respect, and he had reclaimed the love of his life, and he restored his broken relationship with his sons, and now everything that addiction had stolen from him, he had earned back, and I was so proud of Jay. That is a good, positive story. The unfortunate thing is addiction does has, have a power if we don't remove the label from us. See, about six months later, though, Jay contacted me and he said, Pastor, I want to let you know I've been using drugs just a little bit here and there. I'm trying to do this. I'm using it just basically to ease the stress of marriage. And, and uh, I, he said, I'm only using marijuana and I can stop at any time. And unfortunately, this was the beginning of a horrible nightmare. 
because his addiction to drugs and alcohol eventually took over again, and this very calm, gentle man would fly into these rages at home, and often his sons would be hiding under the beds and would call our family or my oldest son for help, and like, we need help now. Many times we would go pick up the boys, or Jody would bring the boys to our house, and they would spend a day or two with us. And, and no matter what we did to try to intervene, Unfortunately, nothing seemed to help, and Jay was becoming more and more depressed. He began to loathe himself, wouldn't even show up around church. And one night, Jay struck his wife, Jody, and that was the last straw. She showed up at church with a black eye the next Sunday. And as her pastor, I simply demanded that they separate immediately and that she change the locks on the house. Uh, this is a tough situation, and no amount of counsel seemed to really help because Jay was strung out. Jay, Jay ended up in and out of jail again, and then Jody divorced him a second time. Jay eventually became homeless, and addicted and homeless was his label. And as a pastor to this day, it still tears me apart, and it's heartbreaking. Because finally on December 20th, excuse me, December 27th, 2010, Jay became asphyxiated in the tent that he was living in. He was trying to stay warm in a cold Midwest winter, and he had lit a, some charcoal in a small grill in his tent, and Jay died. It's one of those very bizarre tragedy to triumph to tragedy stories, and I will never forget it, and it breaks my heart to this day. I want to say this, I hate addiction. I hate every single form of it. See, addiction is a cruel master, and it has this sole objective to destroy the addict. And it also attempts to destroy anyone else in his or her life. And, and, and the truth is, no addict ever suffers alone because addicts don't just harm themselves. They, unfortunately, they don't mean to because quite often they're some of the most loving people in the world, but they end up wreaking havoc all around. In some ways, it's kind of like a tornado. It's like the year 2000 tornado that came through Fort Worth and the addict's life is just flung around by this force that they can't harness and glass flies and this then solid immovable objects all of a sudden seem uprooted and crushed and damage ends up happening in the strangest of places. And if you're in the path of the addict, you will experience some type of pain. Because addicts and their families can be beaten emotionally and battered and sucked dry financially and physically assaulted. Addiction is a dark tornado that threatens everyone touched by it. So this addict label is ruthless. In fact, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about Jesus and his kingdom is that I want, by God's grace, to undo pain and hurt that addiction has mercilessly unleashed upon families that I have pastored and that I do pastor. I also want to prevent it. I also want to equip people to identify it and deal with it and help others through it. Now, the truth is, though, Addiction is everywhere in our culture, and, and, and there are not just, there's not just one type of addict. 
fact, there are many different. There are a lot of what I would call unexpected forms of addiction. Maybe it's the, uh, the professional who is hooked on prescription drugs. Maybe it's an addiction to gambling, an addiction to pornography or alcohol, an addiction to illegal drugs. But let's be honest, there's also addictions to social media, addictions to shopping, addictions to food, addictions to pleasure, addictions to self, even addictions to your own body. Regardless of its form, what happens is your soul is eaten away in addiction. See, there's this longing for another rush. There's this insatiable rush that you want to get, and, and it's the feeling of dopamine flooding your body, and it always ends in a crash of some sort. And accompanied with it, then, are the feelings of failure, uh, the feelings of self-loathing, uh, feelings of depression, because the truth is, addicts never really comprehend their own value and their worth. And... Uh, you just feel like you just need to have that rush of dopamine again so you keep it up. And it's complex. It, it, it is. It's complex. Because addiction involves chemicals in your body. It involves thought processes that are not taken captive. Uh, it involves emotions that drive us. It, it involves this seemingly uh, inability, I guess you could say, to exert self-control in your life. Now, in our culture, we do have this amazing ability to get addicted to just about anything. And it can be food, shopping, people-pleasing, or self-pleasing. Why? It's because we, have, we were created a certain way, and we were actually created for worship. And there's this part of us that absolutely must be sold out for something. And it will either be God or it will be a substitute God of some sort. We have to dig deep, really, and we have to deal with these issues of our identity and our worth and our purpose because our identity basically tells us who we are. Our worth gives us value. Our purpose gives us reason for waking up in the morning. But so, so if we don't discover our identity and our worth and our purpose in God through Jesus, what ends up happening is we seek out and find and worship substitute gods of some sort. And I promise you this, substitute gods will promise you freedom, but they will only succeed in enslaving you. And at the root of every addiction is idolatry because we are going to a substitute God to meet our needs. Instead of going to Jesus and worshiping Jesus, we, we turn to shopping or sex or drugs or alcohol or food or, or work, social media or games just to meet our own needs for that rush. And, and you can't tell yourself no because you're addicted. And, and the truth is you're not in control. I'll say it again, you're not in control because addicts don't know freedom. And that there is good news, though, because limitless freedom can be yours. And the fundamental treatment is this, is to simply be a worshiper of God. Now, here's the truth. We don't really have addiction problems. What we have is misdirected worship, and we have sin habits, and we simply need to be free from all of that. So we need to have this new label, free. And I, I hope today you will be willing to rip the addict label from your heart and replace it with the free Label. Change that label from addicted to free. To do it, I'm going to expose you to some truth and it will set you free. Jesus said it well. You will know the truth and the truth 
will set you free. That's the key word. Limitless freedom can be yours. So you begin to believe in your mind the truth about yourself. I, I call it the freedom factor, which is simply this. You need to know who you are. Guys, this, this is really, really important because the victory over sin and addiction, it's actually already been won. What you have to do is begin to believe it, and that's where faith comes in because the scene of the crime basically is in our minds, and we have to fight for freedom, therefore, in our minds. Now, Paul, he puts it this way in the scriptures. He said, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Since we died with Christ, we will also live with him. Now, this is really, really awesome what he's describing here because it's, a, it's, it's illustrated in water baptism. This is why I am very passionate about water baptism because it is an illustration, outward illustration of an inward work because we have died with Christ. We have symbolically been buried in the water and, and that sin is buried and the sin is left there and then we are raised with Christ, raised out of that watery grave and we are no longer slaves to the sin because that's buried. And the forces of hell and demonic forces, what they will try to do is to try to distract you from knowing this truth about Jesus and to knowing this truth about yourself. Because here's the truth. We have been actually united with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. Now that is crazy astounding. You see, get this. When Father God looks at you, he sees Jesus he does not see your past failures. He does not see your flaws. He does not see your imperfections. And that's how the grace of God works. That's why we call this good news. You hear the term gospel sometimes. What gospel means is good news. We are a gospel church. We believe in this thing called good news. And the truth is that because of what Jesus did, you are no longer an addict of any type, but you are actually free. And you need to have this new label, which says free. And when you do know who you are, you can change your label from addicted to free. Now, from here, we also have to learn how to walk in this freedom that's already been won for us in our lives when we begin to apply it to our lives. And that's why, why we, we, I teach on the things I teach on is to help us to learn how to walk this way. And, and, uh, but in order to do so, I'm going to ask you a simple question today. And I'm ask it to you several times. Who are you? Who are you? Well, the answer is you are loved. You're loved. Before Fort Worth became a city, God loved you. Before your daddy spotted your mommy and thought she was hot, God loved you. Even the middle of your sin and your failures and the middle of your addiction, God loved you. And Jesus has actually been pursuing you all of your life, even in the middle of addiction and hurt and pain. See, God actually loves you with the same intensity and passion that he loves his son, Jesus. You're not who you used to be. You, my friend, are loved. And when you know that you're loved, you can change your label from addicted to free. 
I don't care what anyone says about whether they love you or not because God, the awesome creator of the universe, loves you. Sort of walk in limitless freedom. You just need to understand that. I'm going to ask you another question again. It's actually the same one. Who are you? Well, you're also holy. Now, to be holy means that you're set apart for God to use. Being holy doesn't mean that you are some kind of a spiritual Jedi, you know. know, I mean, come on. Holiness is a gift from God. Look at this. The Bible says that both the one who makes people holy, which is God, and those who are made holy, that's us, are of the same family. What God and us are in the same family. That's crazy. When I see how imperfect I am, I'm amazed that God sees me holy just like Jesus. See, Jesus' holiness is my holiness. And when you know you're holy, you can change your label from addicted to free. That's the gospel, guys. That's the good news. Another question I have to ask you is the same one. Who are you? The answer is you are faultless. See, God can't see your faults. He only sees his faultless son when he sees you. And, and, and really, this is totally independent of your behavior because it's, it's a fully dependent upon what Jesus did for you on the cross. And when you know that you are faultless, you can change your label from addicted to free. I mean, are you catching this, guys? This is truth. The truth sets you free, but the enemy will say, I can't believe that. It's too simple. Don't fall for the lie. I have another question for you. Who are you? Well... I have a different answer this time, but it's really the same answer. You are forgiven. I want you to picture a courtroom, and you are on trial for cosmic treason against God. And you're sitting there all alone, and and, and this prosecutor is sitting across from you, and the judge is sitting at the front, and his righteousness is just blinding. And the fork-tongued prosecutor goes and turns on this video of your deeds things you thought nobody else knew about, things you were ashamed of. And he assaults you, and he humiliates you for everything that you've done, and he makes you feel like you are a worthless animal, and you sit there for days and days watching it. And it's clear, you're guilty of being a sinner. And there's nothing you can do to defend yourself, but then your defense attorney walks into the room. He's wearing a ripped-up, blood-soaked robe, and his face and his head and his side and his hands and his feet are wounded and a hush comes into the courtroom and you hear someone whisper oh my goodness he has never lost a case (laughs) your prosecuting attorney then sees him coming in and he jumps up and he objects and he says no I want him to represent himself and he tries to begin talking the judge into convicting you now see because he doesn't want the truth to come from the mouth of the defense attorney and the judge says shut your mouth my son is about to speak and then God's son Jesus your defense attorney who was provided to you free of charge says this dad everything the prosecution has said about my client is a fact he is guilty but I was beaten abused and nailed to a Roman execution cross 
And I shed my blood to take his punishment and secure my client's freedom and forgiveness. Double jeopardy is against the law. His punishment was already executed on me. And with those simple words, the judge, God, Jesus' dad, smiles huge and he he slams the gavel down and he says, you, my child, you are innocent of the charges against you. You are forgiven. And that is truth. And that truth can set you free. Paul says it this way. He says, in him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Hey, Jesus bought us with his blood. We're free and we're forgiven. And, and when you know that you're forgiven, you can change your label from addicted to free. So are you willing to change it? Let me ask you another question. Again, the same one. Who are you? Well, you're God's dwelling. God lives in you. A lot of times we feel these intense emotions of guilt and shame and and condemnation and regret, and we're living in this endless cycle of addiction. And what's toxic about it is it creates low self-esteem, and you feel totally worthless. The thoughts that you are worthless, though, is a lie. The truth is, you're not worthless, and you're valuable, and God gave up his son to purchase you. You were bought with a price. God bought you. (laughs) But there's more. The Bible says your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. See this? God himself lives in you. You're God's dwelling. He bought you. He put his spirit in you. And you actually carry God wherever you go. Wherever you go. When you walk into work, God just showed up because he's in you. When you walk into the tax office, God just showed up because he's with you. When you walk into your home, God just showed up because he's in you. You're the temple of God and your sins have been obliterated and they are dead and they are buried and God lives in you now. So who are you? You're loved, you're holy, you're faultless, you're forgiven, you are God's dwelling. And when you know who you are, you can change your label from addicted to free and limitless freedom can be yours. Do you see how amazing this is? Finally, I want to ask you a different question, and that is this. Whose are you? Well, you're God's child. You belong to God. You are sons of God. You're daughters of God. You are princes and princesses of the greatest king the world has ever known and will ever know. And God put himself in you, and there's this powerful force of life that's in you. You're spiritually alive. So we need to change the way that we think. We need to do this. We need to count ourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ in Jesus. See, you are actually without limits because of whose you are and who you are and who lives in you. And when you know that, that, that you are actually God's son, you can change your label from addicted to free. So are you ready to do that? That's good. I hope so, because we are a family. In fact, we actually have a lifestyle as a family that's different from the rest of the world. We have this family lifestyle that I call limitless freedom. And and freedom is not addiction resistant. (laughs) 
Uh, actually, freedom is resistant, uh, addiction resistant because you're not chained to anything. In fact, Paul explains it well, and I have this scripture for you from the message version of the Bible. In Romans 6, Paul says it this way. He said, you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with the old way of life, but throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under the old tyranny, the old label. Any longer, you're living in the freedom of God, which, by the way, is limitless. <laughs> See, that's the lifestyle of freedom that can be yours when you walk out this door. So let me ask you, what's your addiction? D d don't lie to yourself, because God has been talking to you since the beginning of this message, and he custom-designed it for your ears. What's your addiction? His truth can set you free. It's time to change that label from addicted to free and break out of that past and take a huge step into your future today and limitless freedom can be yours. Here's very simply how to do it, to break free from addiction. First of all is you repent of your sins. We're gonna pray in just a moment. Ask God to forgive you of your sins and make the choice to turn from them. Second thing to do is to renounce the enemy. Simply address the enemy, the forces of hell that are beating you up and say, hey, I am a child of God. I also need to live in community. Here's what that means. It means being around people who are walking in freedom. Understand this, people who are walking in freedom, that will keep you free. Be, you have to be intentional about it ways to do that is to be in a group and get to know others who are pursuing Christ. Another thing to do is to consider getting counseling. Counseling is a powerful tool and that way someone who is trained can walk you through a freedom process. Another thing is to have courage. Like I shared last week, put on that label of courage and just simply get out there and slay that giant because it's not as daunting as you think. Finally, is to be a worshiper, but a worshiper of God. In fact, today we're going to be ending our gathering with a time of worship, getting our eyes fixed back on Jesus and pointing our worship in the right direction. We're going to make this bold stand that addiction must no longer limit you because you are without limits to live free. We close your eyes for just a moment and focus internally. If you're here today and you want to know this Jesus that I'm talking about and you want a clean slate and you want to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you want to be included in this closing prayer and make Jesus the Lord of your life, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Because faith is this. It's when we respond outwardly to what's happening inwardly. One, God loves you so much. Two, he died for you so that you may have life. And three, everything happens today.